Hello there. For this last episode of the year, we would like to extend some thanks to a handful of people like Taylor Normington, Travis Anthony, the Duke of Nebraska, uh, much obliged, my liege, Carlo Magliocco, and Lucas Womack. We really appreciate your backing us on Patreon.com, and everybody can go to Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV to check out the rewards that you can get for becoming a member and helping support this work. We're right at the tail end of covering a massive game, and we can only dedicate the time to that because you are so generous. Once again, Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Sunny, fateful morning. Every, everyone was so happy, and then... And then... Oh, God! A morning that would change everything. Nobody can know how history would have changed if things had gone differently that day. It was November 22nd, 1963. Dallas, Texas. The day America held its breath. Famous historian Jimmy Passman sets the scene. 1963 was a time of turmoil for the Democratic Party in the South. So President John F. Kennedy traveled to Dallas to shore up support ahead of what was likely to be a contentious re-election campaign. This fateful trip would put JFK in a motorcade passing through the crowded Dealey Plaza. Then came the shot heard round the world. Alfred Streetman, our man on the street, was there to see it. We had no idea what was happening. It was chaos. Bedlam. None of it made any sense. A young ex-Marine from New Orleans named Lee Harvey Oswald waited with a sniper rifle in the window of a nearby sourcebook depository. Nobody is quite sure about Oswald's motivations, but when the police finally caught him, he was raving about some kind of dark and horrifying secret in Kennedy's past. They say if you can hear the shot, you live. Kennedy must have heard the shot because... When Oswald squeezed the trigger, something amazing happened. The bullet soared through the sky and then... It bounced right off of Kennedy's skull. It defied all logic. A bullet of that caliber should have gone right through his skull and hit Governor Connolly. Now, that might have been a blessing in disguise, but then he wouldn't have fathered labyrinth heartthrob Jennifer Connolly. So it's a wash, I guess. I digress. Back to the shooting. Amateur film shot by Zapruder Jones reveals the bullet bounced. Bounced? You see it here. The bullet went back and to the left. The American public was spared a life-changing tragedy, but they demanded answers. So a week later, Kennedy sat down to explain what happened. So our uh, 
Before the events in Dallas, I had Vice Abjur Lyndon Baines Johnson use a scroll of protection from normal weapons on me. It's that simple. Kennedy wasn't without a sense of humor about the whole situation. Oswald should have, or, uh, used a magic bullet. <laughs> The Dallas police pursued Oswald into a movie theater and brought him into custody. But before the young man could face trial, a nightclub owner and necromancer captured his soul within the Jack Ruby, a powerful gem and spirit vessel. Oswald and the Ruby were never seen again. Now that's the official account. Oswald insisted that Kennedy was a descendant of Ball, the Lord of Murder. Others say the assassination was arranged by Kennedy's longtime political rival, Magic Tricky Dick, a.k.a. Richard Hexon. <clears throat> Excuse me, Richard Nixon. Still, others have more far-fetched theories. There was another shooter, I tell you. It was, it was a dog man in a ghillie suit. Uh, a grassy knoll. To where his bullet, they hit, hit the first bullet and bounced it away. Kennedy, Kennedy, you were no ball spawn. I, I always say, second gunman, not second edition. <laughs> Whatever the answer, November 22nd, 1963 was a day that almost brought America to its knees. The truth is strange, and that is the lesson to take from this episode of Character Sheets and Courage. <laughs> My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are concluding our coverage of Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of Om. Mm-hmm. We're back, baby. It's Om like Donkey Kong. I made that joke <laughs> in episode one. I'm making it in episode four, and so the, the, the cycle the, is complete. The, 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 the statute of limitations on jokes is three weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> yep. So after that, you can make the, hey, brother, may I have lamp? It's cool again now. Um, yeah. yeah. So so we're back to conclude things with uh, Baldur's Gate 4. Of course, this is episode four in a series. So go back and listen to the old ones if you haven't. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but, uh, but, we're, we're but, but Baldur's Gate 4, Assault on Thay. Like the uh, like b- 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 Baldur's, it's like you joined a shot on or something. Baldur's Gate Four. Baldur's Gate Two. Anyway, so in this episode, we're covering the rest of the game, which is basically the return to Athkatla, and then the end game. Yes, and then elves and hell. Yep, elves and hell together yes. at last. <laughs> yep, uh, <laughs> and, great flavors. And then, in kind of a non-standard configuration, we are also reading your listener responses after that, just because we had to cram jam some stuff to fit things into this month. So much Baldur's Gate. It's just a big game. It's a big game, Gary. Yep. It's a big game. It's a big gate. 
Mm. That's what they say. Yeah. Like big gates. And I sometimes lie. Mm. Um, yeah. So uh, this we're, we're starting off here right away. Uh, getting right into it with, with the return to Athkatla. Um, so this is uh, as, as you're leaving the Underdark here and you got out through various ways mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, whenever you leave, you are in the middle of this massive battle between Drow and these war elves. Yeah. Uh, and you help clean it up. And they say, like, hey, go talk to Elhan. Yes. And Elhan, he is the elven general uh, trying to keep this drow invasion in, at bay. This invasion that was kind of spurred on uh, by Irenicus coming in and messing around with Dragon Age, uh, Dragon Eggs and such. Oh, yeah. Messing up with Dragon Age. Yeah. Trying yeah. to perform a Dragon Age awakening. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Doing all of that. Uh, and Elhan. Uh, is like a lot of elves in D&D and fantasy settings, uh, kind of a dick. So yes. he puts me under a magical lie detector test, basically by having his uh, ha- having his sages act as lying cat. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> and and just let, let let him know, uh, you know, letting him know if you lie. And you can, you know, depending on your alignment here, you mm-hmm. can bristle at this. Yes. But there, to a certain degree, he will not trust you. And you, you at this, you're trying to ask questions like, hey, what is this about? What do you know? And he's, very, you know, good cop, elf cop. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's real elf on the shelf about this shit. Where it's like he's, you know, like I'm asking the questions here. Yes. Um, and also, if you have Viconia with you, as I did, he does not trust you. So that yeah. puts you at a disadvantage. I don't know if there's a way to fail this, but. I'm sure there's not. Like, this yeah. is mission critical. Yes. Because you're, you're going to go to the, you know. So eventually, you know, you, you gain his trust or don't. And he just assumes, you know, because. He believes you're against the Renicus at the very least. Right. Um, so he starts kind of leaking a little bit of information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's also, like, uh, very importantly, not telling you everything. Uh, yes. He knows about Irenicus and kind of what's going on and is acting a little bit hapless. Yeah. Uh, he's only telling you <laughs> really, he's only telling you what he needs to tell you to get you to do his dirty work for him. Exactly. He's, he says that Irenicus has made the entire city of Saldaneselar in these woods disappear. And we can only reach it by finding this artifact called the Ren lantern, uh, this yeah. ancient lantern that was once in the temple and Bodhi has stolen it. Yep. A Bodhi took it. Yeah. Um, so we're like, Hey Bodhi, we know where she hangs out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we're gonna we're gonna go back and uh, finally get vengeance on Bodhi. Right. Um, and just because we have played a bunch of this game and we've earned a treat on our way back to Athkatla, you run into Drizzt. You run into well, there's, Drizzt. There's one. There's a note we we skipped here real quick because oh, this didn't yeah. happen in my playthrough. Oh but yeah. This is yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but before that, uh, yeah. If you have Iconia, he makes her swear an um swear an oath and then puts her under a gius. Yeah. Pretty fucked up, yeah. especially if you're like romancing Viconia. Like, I'm not, you know, host of host of unpopular romance show Heartbeat City says <laughs> that a relationship built on trust should have no geases. <laughs> so the, um, that's my expertise to bring bring to the table. So, um, yeah, no, uh, no geases in a uh, geases in a uh, trusting relationships. No, no. So. Um, I think maybe if her affection or her relationship score is low enough, she says "fuck you" and goes. Yeah. But for me, she stuck around even though I had failed the romance back yeah. in the Underdark. Um, yeah. It'd be it would suck to lose your best healer at this point. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's cool that it, it can happen. Right, right. Just, know, I, I like that it it can happen, and then it's like you just have to sheepishly go get uh Jahiro back or go just like see what Sirend was up to yep. during that whole thing like hey buddy i know uh, we, we didn't get off on the right foot exactly but like do you want to 
come cast uh, Restoration on me a bunch. Please? Please, buddy. We're going to fight a bunch of vampires, and not everybody can yeah. hold the Maze of Disruption. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. You do get a treat. Uh, we run into uh, Drist. Yeah, we run into Drist, uh, Wolfgar, uh, Brainer. Yeah, all, yeah. All, all, all those people. Yeah, his whole uh, his whole zone, his whole people. Yeah. Um, and there's fun little Easter eggs here. So um, one thing that you can do in Baldur's Gate 1 is uh, you can run into Drist, and you can kill him. Um, it's extremely difficult for when you run into him. And you pretty much have to do uh, weird tricks. Like you can position a bunch of archers on one side of a lake and then go into the INI file and turn down the pathfinding. Mm -hmm. So Dritz doesn't know to go around the lake. Mm -hmm. uh, so he just tries to walk into the water over and over and you just try hope for criticals um, <laughs> and, and spend hundreds of arrows killing him. Or you can uh, dismiss party members to make a, a meat shield around him and then <laughs> stand back and shove spears between them. <laughs> um, and Dritz won't kill the innocents. Right. We're just waiting for you to retake them. So you get to more or less a trigger, but you get his equipment. Right. Um, and that equipment will go with you into Baldur's Gate 2. Mm -hmm. And if you have that here, uh, he, you know, he, sometimes there's an event I think that can come earlier where he comes back for his equipment. Mm. Um, but you can uh, avoid that. So if you run into him here, he's like, wait a minute. You killed me. Yeah, that's, that's not okay. And you can even, you can reference that in the dialogue. You say, like, didn't I kill you yeah. like, when I saw you? Um, he also, if you have a very low reputation, like very low, he gets very upset. Or no, if you are an elf named Dritz and you have a very low reputation, he says, hey, you're the person people keep confusing for me. You're fucking up my reputation. Yay! We'll start a <laughs> um, which is really, really like a clever Easter egg. I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you uh, but you can recruit Drist and the whole party, actually, to fight alongside you as you go uh, and raid Bodhi. At, at a future encounter. Yes. Like, they don't join your party now. Mm -hmm. You can be yeah. like, hey, listen, we're actually going up against great evil. You guys don't like great evils. And mm -hmm. his whole party of like and i feel like they're doing i've never read those books but i feel like they're doing like shtick from the books yeah a little bit like they're like they're talking about uh they're they're, they're talking about uh brainer's warhammer turning pink after it was uh after it was enchanted by somebody mm -hmm. and he's really insecure about that Wolfcar talks about how like oh i went to the abyss once it was unremarkable which is not the case because he suffered from terrible ptsd when he came back from the abyss and became an alcoholic and wandered the land for a while <laughs> like yeah. He was uh, it was unremarkable PTSD is what they were trying to go for. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're 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 doing some stick from the games, and you got Regis there talking about how hungry he is. Uh, it's great. Uh, like I read yeah. those books in high school, and I remember some details from it. And seeing them in a video game, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm human. I'm not yeah, made of it's stone. A, it's pretty cool. Like yeah. I like I like uh, the Legends of the Forgotten Realms. You yeah. know, kind of regardless, and mm -hmm. you get more of those in Throne of Ball. You get a lot of Elminster. You get like Volo. Nice stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Um, so then you're essentially, um, you know, you're going to go against Bodhi. You can go and look for allies. So if you go to the Radi uh, order of the radiant heart, um, they will definitely go with you mm -hmm. uh, at this point. If you side with the thieves guild, they will also join you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, during uh, this time. <laughs> I went there. I was like, Hey, maybe I can, maybe there's somebody I can get to get the new thieves on my side. No place is still <laughs> fucking empty. <laughs> yeah. It's just full. It's just a corpse. It's a gigantic corpse warehouse, a corpse emporium. Yeah. And corpseum. Um, yep. yeah, not that great. Um, yep. so <laughs> there are a couple of other things you can do. Like you can get your ultimate weapons at this point as well. Uh, mm -hmm. you can go to Cromwell, this, uh, Smith in the docks and have him assemble these legendary items like the guessing bow, which just fires plus four magic bolts without any bullets. Yep. It's an awesome bow. Um, it's a short bow, mm -hmm. which, uh, at this point I, I forgot which kind of bow the guessing bow was when I made my character no. and specialized them in longbow. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go into the, the 
character editor and change my specialization to short yeah, bow. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Because I forgot. And there's no reason for this to be a short bow. Mm-hmm. Use the short bow. Um, <laughs> if you uh, so you can make uh, the equalizer, you probably have all the parts of that, which is a really excellent sword mm-hmm. that has uh, different effects depending on what alignment the the creature you're fighting is. Yeah. Um, you can uh, if you ran there's a random encounter where you run into some gith, you know, because there's this whole thing of a sword. Um, Samen gave you that sword to try to set you up with a gif. Um, and you can get the other part of it. He has the hilt for it. Yeah, he's, he's a real bumbling gif. You get the sense that they're sending their D-team at you. Well, they, everyone else has drowned or, like, been <laughs> yeah. flared. Like, the gif are not... There's a whole other game they're playing that's, like, a tragic... You know, <laughs> they're playing Spec Ops the Line. Uh, <laughs> like, Gith Ops the Line is going on. How, how, how many gif were alive before you started going after <laughs> this? Exactly, before you went after the sword. And how many... You know, they're, they're Colonel Kurtz of Gith, uh, you know, is, is, is but uh, you get that the whole part of that, and that's the Vorpal Sword, mm-hmm. uh, which in this game is fucking incredible. Yeah, like I gave a 25% chance of having you do a save versus death. Yeah, so like if you just think about how often you hit in, in and maybe it's no save actually, it's ridiculous. Yeah, like, I just gave the same to Minsk, so many times. and it was just over. They, they just destroy. So it feels so good to come back and get these like amazing weapons. Mm-hmm. It, it's so it's a save versus death at negative two. Oh, so it's, Jesus. A, it's a, you know, so you get 25% chance per hit and like, you know, Minsk at this point has probably two attacks per round or almost that three attacks every two rounds or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, and just every once in a while people just blow up and it, it will happen a significant amount of times. Yeah. Um, no. but weirdly, that's not the most powerful item you can do. No, yeah, the most powerful <laughs> item in the game you can also get if you got all the things. Yes, uh, the Crom Fair. Um, yes. and you've been picking up pieces of this, which include like it's not all just weapon parts. Like there's a like there are belts and gauntlets of strength. Like all of this is a full body rig. It's basically power armor that you put on to wield this legendary hammer that sets your strength to twenty five. Yep, a plus five. Uh, it's in. You know, normal Warhammer plus five electrical damage, mm-hmm. uh, which there's no save against, and it sets your strength to 25. Yes. Um, 25 strength is significant. It is the, uh, and it also uh, slays uh, stone golems, clay golems, ettons, and trolls on one hit. Right. So, pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's, a, so it's a little off the charts. It reminds me, I've been rewatching Venture Brothers, uh-huh. and the scene where uh, they go into 24's closet, <laughs> or 21's closet, to like you know, restorm the the cocoon mm-hmm. and he has all the collectibles like the Hulk hands and the Magneto helmet and all the, <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. It's like that, but real. Yeah. <laughs> like you get to come back and you just get all of these legendary weapons. Nice. Um, and stuff. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, and just, again, this is all candy for mm-hmm. you. Like running into Dritz is candy, but also getting a fucking Vorpal sword is candy as well. Yeah. Like you're not likely to do that in an actual D and D campaign. So if you have any affection or if you play the game at all, this is your chance to play with some real, fucked up good shit <laughs> yep you know yeah i was um, i was way into this again i'm only human um but yeah the, um, the crown fair it's like a game spanning side quest almost like you have to get like yeah. you have to get the scroll with the instructions off of the shadow dragon that you uh, could have fought earlier you have to find an illithid lair under athcatla like they were planning yep. a siege to dominate it <laughs> yep yeah. yep yep um the uh so we, we and we didn't talk you know people are like oh like we didn't talk about that we didn't it's in the sewers yeah yeah um, you know, it, and it's just, it's, it's a little dungeon thing. I missed it this time mm-hmm. is why I, I didn't remember it. Like I just, I didn't get the crom fair this time mm-hmm. to my eternal shame. I had nobody who could like wield it properly. And I didn't want to give up the base of disruption because vampires. Right. Right. Um, this is also, so you're back in the city and you can do everything you missed. Right. 
So it, the the Underdark will go smoother for you if you do all that stuff and gain those levels, but anything you want to do, you can do when you get back here. And some of the stuff is actually kind of leveled for that, uh, specifically some of these liches. Yes. So as we established last time, Athcatla is lousy with liches. Mm -hmm. um, Lich McConnell's up there running running the show. Uh, yep. The main one that you can find, uh, he talks you into reassembling him, uh, is Kangax. Uh, yep. he, he lives beneath a trapped house in the docks district and he says, Hey, uh, somebody says so some rascals went and spread parts of my body around the Scooby gang went and fucked this up. <laughs> Those meddling kids. They took yeah. my arms and legs and torso. Um, yep. can you go get them back for me? Yep. And you have to go fight some other liches to get these parts back. Right. Which says something about the relationship between these liches that they're like coveting this dude's shoulder. <laughs> um, so we, we talked about the Shade Lich, who is uh, near the apostates from the Eyeless Cult, mm -hmm. the sewer. This is the easiest Lich in the game. Right. Um, you know, he's not a time stop Whale of the Banshee Lich. Right. He's like Lich, lich classic. Um, you can find him. You fight him. Um, we talked a little bit about Lich fighting strategies in general. Mm -hmm. um, to my mind, uh, it's it's protection from magic. Yeah. Like yeah. you get a scroll, you don't get very many of those. Um, in the game, you get about as many as you need. Yeah. Like I didn't finish the game with extras, mm -hmm. um, but throwing in uh, my paladin, my paladin with protection from magic took care of this for me. Yeah. In general. Um, and the difficult part is that will only work on one party member and everyone else. You just kind of have to put them to the edge of the mat, like to hope the lich doesn't see them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and that was kind of my strategy for all of these. I had to do a little bit more with the elemental lich, the next one, mm -hmm. um, because he is uh, between, he's in something called a twisted rune, which is a pocket dimension mm -hmm. um, in the bridge district. Right. Uh, it's they, a, like, the, like the, the twisted room is the name of his like hellfire club. Like he's got a bunch yeah, of like, he's, yeah, got a, yeah, yeah. he's got a bunch of rogue, uh, just rogue magicians and such. Like, and this is a really big fight against a bunch of people. And you accidentally go into it. Yeah. It's a certain door that if you go into this door in the district while holding a rogue stone. So mm -hmm. again, it's like Planescape. Yes. Like you have the t key to this thing. Um, and then you, it's a really tough fight. This mm -hmm. is called the elemental lich. Um, and he's tough because he has backup. Like lich, he summons beholders and like high level monsters. Mm -hmm. And he has a really high level caster with him, uh, which that's what a lich is as well. Yeah, yeah. With additional immunities. But like a really, really tough caster with him. So it's just very difficult. Yeah. Um, he's not bad. But it's tough because of these people next to him. Like, right. if you have a beholder just throwing shit at you <laughs> at the same time you're trying to fight a, a lich, like, that's rough stuff. Yes. Uh, but what's great, though, again, more candy, uh, He, you, you get the Staff of the Magi off of him. So, yep. fuck yeah. Legendary weapons. Feels good. <laughs> um, and you get a, a final legendary weapon when you come back to Kangax and you put him together. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, no points for knowing that he'll betray you. Right, right. Um, at this point. Well, also, these other liches are warning you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why like, would you like, unleash Kangax this evil on the world? Yeah, why would you unleash Kangax? Because Kangax isn't just a lich. He's a normal lich. Mm -hmm. And then when you kill him, he turns into a demi-lich, which is the hardest monster in this game yes um you you know you fight the demogorgon in balder in throne of ball but mm -hmm. this is the hardest thing in this this game right um and he's just this floating skull and almost nothing can hurt him and he casts like time stops and stuff with abandon and really like you know some people when we were talking about doing this game some people on twitter were like what's your you know go to king not king strategy and it's like oh protection from magic and they're like really that works and you know i tried that it didn't work and this time it just worked uh-huh for me you know like keldorm with protection from magic just hitting him over and over and over because oh, like it yeah, lasts yeah. for a long time like <laughs> your protection from magic really does neutralize liches mm -hmm. uh pretty intensely yeah yeah I, I put protection from magic onto uh onto what's his name um oh gosh what's that 
Minsk? No, Corgan? no, dark, 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 dark dwarf guy. Cor- oh, Corgan. Corgan. There we go. Sorry, yeah. it's been a while since I played. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you. That's how I I handle him. But he is he is the toughest fight in the game. And if mm-hmm. you don't do that, he's extremely difficult. Like, yeah. and even while doing that, some of my party members got caught in his like whale of the banshee. Oh yeah, power word kill shit. It was yeah, a real like, skin of my teeth kind of thing. It was, yeah. a, it was like a really satisfying fight. Like the, between the elemental lich and this, uh, just extremely rewarding bonus bonus bosses. Mm-hmm. Bonus yeah. bosses where you get a lot of experience. You get um, a really good item each time. Like Staff of the Mad Guy is really good. This guy gives you the Ring of Gax, mm-hmm. which is excellent. Like yeah. really fast regeneration, big bonus, you know, immunity to poison, big bonus to your armor class. Yeah. Really excellent little ring. So it, you get some real great endgame gear mm-hmm. for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. So there's something I forgot about um, that I, I told Cole. I'm like, hey, make sure you do this because I'd beaten the game. Yeah. I forgot. Um, if, when you get the spell limited wish, you get to one of the wishes gives you a unique quest. Yeah. So will you will you throw me in an oubliette if I say this disappointed me? No, I think it's largely considered to be pretty disappointing. Okay. Um, <laughs> cool. I was and like, when I've done it before, I also think it's not super great, if I recall. Yeah. Well, like when so. you well, just anything that involves the wish spell, you think, okay, this is going to be campaign defining shit. No, yeah. it's really just kind of a just you're just fetching stuff. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. the, it starts off strong enough. You you know you can find uh, and cast a scroll of limited wish or just memorize it and cast it. Doesn't really matter. Um, and it's a pretty complicated spell. Like you can ask for a one-time wish or kind of like repeatable wishes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's also the thing, your options depend on your align or your wisdom. Yes. And if you have bad wisdom, um, you will get like the, the twisted, the Wishmaster reporting for duty version of these. <laughs> right. Like, so you can say like, um, I wish for, I mean, this is, I'm just from the hip. This isn't exactly it. Like uh-huh. the, the results, you know, the actual things are on a wiki, but you could be like, I wish for a challenge, you know, a, a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. Or no, I wish for my party to be more experienced. Yes. And that could either result in you getting a bunch of XP or result in a really, really tough monster, like a demon being summoned right in the middle of you and right. all of your equipment being de-equipped. Yeah. The, Stuff like that. Like, it, it, it's either good or bad. Yeah. Like, the the, yeah. the the funny one that I saw was, I wish I wish a horde of beasts would appear to fell my enemies, and it's just a whole bunch of rabbits. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, you know, and you can, there's ways to trick this because your, your wizard probably doesn't have high wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you pause it, you can make your cleric talk to the, the genie, which I love is like an in-game kind of thing. Oh yeah. Like, listen, I'm going to summon him, but, uh, you, you, you actually do the dealing. Cause I'm right. I don't know how to do this shit. Like, yeah, yeah I'm going to try to logic Lord him into some stuff and fuck it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No good. Um, but yeah, one of the wishes that you can get is an adventure like I've never had before. Uh, and it's real similar to a lot of adventures we've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so you find this the, the this note uh from captain dennis to somebody named vittorio demanding the return of a gong uh and that gong is the payoff on the shaggy dog story and it ends up being a poop joke mm. <laughs> so uh you go to an inn in the bridge district you find vittorio he's like an old drunk he says like hey uh i need you to go to captain dennis and you know and, and collect this debt um, Vittorio taught Dennis how to play the gong and Dennis didn't pay. Um, so you go confront him and turns out Vittorio just stole Dennis's mom's gong and sold it for beer money. It's just this <laughs> whole, you run around kind of thing. Uh, so you have to go and track this thing down. Vittorio sold it to Roger the fence, somebody who we might've met down in the sewers and Roger in turn sold it to this troll shaman named gray, uh, over in the Druid Grove, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, I'm really agreeing with Vittoria and Cor- Vittoria, uh, Viconia and Corgan because they are just so pissed off that I'm wasting my time doing this. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, genie told me to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, like it's not binding. The genie just gave just gave you a note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but he told me to. Okay. Yes. Uh, you go to a druid grove. You find Gray. It turns out he sold the gong to this nearby ogre mage uh, over by where the Rexasha uh, used to live, and this ogre mage is using it to shovel cow shit out of his stable or whatever. Uh, you have to give them a wand of frost, uh, so they'll give it to you. They say mm-hmm. <laughs> this does have one of my favorite lines in the game, though. You know, he's been using it to to shovel shit, and the mage says, um, "Sorry about the smell on the gong; it can't be helped." Old Bessie here has a dot 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 problem. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bessie, <laughs> she has a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <That's>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then and then you return it like that's and that's pretty much it. Yeah, you get a boomerang you know? dagger. Either it really didn't have a place in my party, so yeah, whatever. not not throwing throwing daggers. No. So wishes in this game are cool, um, but that is uh, and you get actual wish in throwing a ball hmm. um, as a high level ability, and it is uh, you know it's cool. Yeah, it's cool, but it's not it's not that great as far as a quest. It's definitely not something you've never done before. Yeah, you know, as a thing. One thing I want to point out to you for people who are maybe put off. Uh, by playing Baldur's Gate 2. Um, and this is something I started doing halfway through the game because I felt like I had nothing to prove. I'd done it before. Uh-huh. Um, if you enable the console, then there's fast travel. Yes. Uh, you can open up a menu and just choose a location and go there. If this were a modern game, it would include fast travel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it would just have it. So I don't feel that bad about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes some of these just run around quests, like, really painless. Yeah, yeah. You're just picking these locations from a menu rather than, like, traveling days and days <laughs> and resting and running into fucking, like, ogres that you're just going to stop. Right, right. On the way. Or you know? um, doing, you know, getting stuck at the edge of a map, like, you must gather your party. You know? Yeah, it will just, yeah, just is not going to, you know, because somebody got over encumbered or somebody yeah, is yeah. walking into a, you know, a rock. So you can, you know, the game... And that was actually part of the game. That's not an enhanced edition thing. Like, that's always been part of the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, one of the things I love about old PC games is they allow you to cheat to shore up, you know, things. And that can get you past things that are obnoxious to you, uh, but also can just patch in kind of features that would be ease of use things later. Yes. You know, you can kind of second guess the devs, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, so now that we have our, we've gathered our crew and our help and everything, we're going to go to the graveyard and confront Bodhi. Um, yes. And now the van, now the the graveyard is full of vamps. <laughs> yeah, this is the scene of a gigantic battle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, you know she she's hanging out outside and basically gives you the "you'll never catch me, coppers." Well, uh, she she does more than that. Like <laughs> if you are involved in an active romance, oh yeah, uh, she slays and uh, bring and kidnaps your your love. And this is, I mentioned this earlier, but this is when the game was just like, ah, I see you're in love with Animan, the precious oh, Radiant Park member. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm <laughs> going to kill him. And then I was like, wait. Mm. <laughs> like, I, I said no enough times, you know, <laughs> like I'm a, yeah. So I, I went into the, the, the INI file or went into the trainer and set my relationship to Animan like I just met him uh, and then went back in there. I had to literally eternal sunshine Animan in order for the, for him to say no. Like I digitally eternal sunshine him. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> that was the only way for the game to like take no for an answer for fucking Animan, the incel monster yep. who is the worst character in this fucking game. Like, 
Yeah, I didn't run into this because I biffed it so hard with Viconia. Um, yeah, so she would she... have kidnapped Viconia, and think about how much that would have sucked. Yeah, like this is a big deal. Like if she just takes you know a party member from you mm. for this like pretty tough. Is is there so, a way to get them back? Fight. Like do you do you take them again the purified? Yeah, not, like well, it's, it's a whole quest. Like at the end, you do you take their uh, their body and they they're not uh, healed, and you take Bodhi's um, Bodhi's heart. Like mm. uh, later in this dungeon, you start finding text about vampires. Oh, no, they're they're turning to a vampire, but they're like dying. Right. And you find these texts about vampires. You have to actually take them to the the sun uh, Sundalar or whatever the the sun god mm-hmm. or Amatalar. Um, you bring them to his shrine, and then you put their body plus um, Bodhi's heart. Okay. On a shrine, and that brings them back to life. And it's a huge like if you are in a romance with that person, it's like a good touching scene. Like you literally yeah. brought them back from the dead. Like mm-hmm. you know, so it's a sweet thing to do, and it, it's kind of can be the climax of whatever romance you're having. Nice. Um, with that but you can also again if you don't have a romance you can skip it or if you go into the console and and you know reject him and you can skip it <laughs> nice yeah so i didn't run into that um yeah and i'm happy viconia wasn't taken away in the middle of this battle against a bunch of undead yeah yeah where i, I really want need a, a mace of disruption wielder <laughs> yep yeah, yeah. Uh, um so you fight your way through these vampires into bodhi's crypt headquarters this is the first time i've had to fight vampires here so it's the first time i had to stake anybody Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and also um from from the general you got some uh, you got some holy water which you can use to lace their pools of blood which kind of weakens them a little bit. Yep. Um and eventually when you find Bodhi she gives her speech and some more exposition. Right. Um, you get to learn like what a little bit more about what's happening. And uh, that's going to happen every cutscene kind of from here on out. Right. Um so she and Iranicus uh, were both uh, of the elves at some point and they got um you know uh, uh exiled. Right. From that, and and we don't get any details here, but you know it's like a big, you know, it's obviously a big deal, right? Um, you kill her, um, you stake her, and then Inamin, uh, Imoen gets her soul back, right? At this point, yeah. Um, Imoen, who I immediately just said, like, you're on your own, lady, uh, <laughs> was not here for this, but presumably where she's like drowning her sorrows in the bar, she probably felt a little bit better all of a sudden, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> um, yeah. I had Imoen with me, and she immediately was like, oh my gosh, I can see colors again. Um, <laughs> the colors do the colors. Yeah, it was real, uh, uh, you know, satisfying there. And this sets up an expectation for what will happen when you finally take out Irenicus that is yeah. subverted You'll in a cool way. Yeah. yeah. Is the idea. <laughs> um, and this is how you get the Rin Lanthorn. Or Lantern. Right. There. Um, so the uh, – uh, you take that back to, to Alhan and you say, hey, listen, Bodhi had some things to say, you know, <laughs> about, about being kicked out of the elves. Like, well, you guys are elves. What do you know about that? Yeah. <laughs> and then he immediately does like, uh, uh, so uh, we need to hide We need to hide their identity. L. Simpson. No, wait, that's too obvious. Lisa S. <laughs> like, yeah, he just does know. that. Like, he just refers to Irenicus as the exile. And you're like, <laughs> wait, you didn't call him on it. Too. That's pretty funny. Yeah, like, very. The exile. What do you think about that? And he's like, no, okay, listen, you know, I, I'll tell you everything you need to know, but not now. Like, you need to bring the city back. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's under siege, like we can't get into it. Is the whole idea is like made it vanished it, put it behind behind an illusion or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to go there. Yes. Um, so now you're going to uh, Soldan Nesselar. Yeah, uh, which is kind of like uh, it's designed very much like uh, uh, oh gosh, the Drow City was uh, mm-hmm. under there. But, which I yeah. love. I, I love that, that that detail. Like the first time I noticed that, like as a kid, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, okay, that's the good stuff. You know, yeah. like this is the you know because instead of just spiders and shit like that, it's on trees. Mm-hmm. But the Drow going and recreating their version of that but underground and like warped is super good it's pretty good um there are a couple of areas that you can go to like the Soldan slr is within this set of woods that you can do but i was in a hurry to be at the game and i kind of gleaned that there wasn't much there 
There's not. It's real weird. So when you come back to the main world, they open up three world map areas where there's no quest content. There's some like minor to moderate treasure and some monsters. Yeah. And there's really just no reason to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can, but you don't have to. Um, yeah. So mostly you're going to be in Soldan Eslar, which yeah, this is being um, under is sieged by uh, Rashakas and Golems. Right. Essentially. Yeah. And you arrive, you know, you, you, you get through the door in the tree that takes you here and immediately you are greeted by, you know, one of the elven forces trying to take the city back saying, hey, you need to find either El- Elisim or you need to find mm-hmm. Demon. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they or will... priestesses. Yes. Like, uh, you know, one of them is the main priestess, one of them is vice priestess. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they will know what to do. Right. Um, and this is a gigantic combat dungeon that's actually really fun. I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Like, it's all these different platforms. Each platform tends to be kind of a big encounter with different mix-ups mm-hmm. uh, there. And, you know, it can be uh, anything from, like, here's a big adamantine golem that's just going to, like, run at you at top speed. <laughs> yeah. Or this is, like, here's, you know, seven Rakshakas. Yeah. Rakshasas, you know, uh, doing things. And this was really fun for me because you're on these different platforms and the way they're spaced is it made a lot of sense in the rhythm to scout each one, like throw my wizard eye over there, mm-hmm. see what it was, prep up for it, either in terms of prepping my party or how I can pepper these people from afar yeah. with uh, with spells and just kind of take each one as it goes. And it's all pretty high level stuff. Yeah, yeah. But we just spent the last like three hours, you know, getting end game legendary <laughs> equipment and gaining a lot of levels. Like killing Bodhi is a big XP yes. uh, boost and stuff. So you're, everyone's going to be like fairly leveled up mm-hmm. at this point. And it's just pretty fun. Yeah. Like, not too challenging, pretty fun. There is some challenge still left in the game. I think both the Ironicus fights that we're going to come up against are tough. Yes. But this is not. No. This is yeah. pretty fine. Yeah, this, the, the, this is surmountable. There's a little bit of, like, running around. Um, surmountable and... is my favorite uh, medieval times then. <laughs> cool. Sexy. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he, he was Mr. Mister March on the uh, medieval times. Calendar. Uh, calendar, yeah. yeah. Medieval times sex boy calendar. <laughs> um yeah so there's a little bit of running around because you have to do elven rituals and stuff man I, i'm just over elves I, I i was never even like down for them yeah oh. I, I think that you'd have to not never have been into them to be over them by this point because like yeah. it does there's a lot of elf at the end of this game but mm-hmm. it is also by volume this game is like five percent elf yeah you know there's not very much elf but it's not <laughs> it's not that cool i think that to when i think about this i i am with you like in that i don't think it's among the cooler things in this game mm-hmm. it's cool when it interacts with other stuff yeah. I like how it I like how they are not portrayed as totally right. Like they're the instigators of this whole thing. Yes. And they're not, you know, they're not portrayed as non-culpable. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how they relate to the drow. Um, and is when I think about it just being is like a DND ass DND story. Like this mm-hmm. is an element of DD. Yeah, like, that's true. It was either gonna be this or go to the, like the mining clans with the dwarves or something like that. Like they were going to do some some DD ass DD shit with these elves. Yeah, yeah. It's not that interesting, especially what you're doing here. Like mostly and but the nice thing is what you're doing, you just do it on the way to these combat encounters. Yeah, that's true. Like you go and get in these fights, and it's just like while you're here, why not grab an item that I'm gonna <laughs> need to put together to summon the tree the ad- spirit to open a door? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're yep. eventually summoning the avatar of their god is is, yeah. is what you need to do. Uh, you go find Demon, the, vi- the vice priestess, and she tells you the story of what happened. So Irenicus and Bodhi, once elves, we established that. They were very high-ranking elves. They were favored at the court. But Irenicus, uh, you know, since he already had immortality, uh, his villain motivation cannot be, I wish to never die. Instead, he wanted to become a god. Uh, yep. So he performed this dark ritual at the Tree of Life. 
which is not a good thing. Yeah, essentially, like trying to join himself with it. He was going to rob from from the Tree of Life, and being elves, like the Tree of Life's a big deal. Yes. Uh, so Elsim, uh, you know, was like, "I could kill you, but instead of doing that, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to profane what the elves hold dear, um, then you're going to have your elven, like your elvenness, stripped from you." Right. Um, and there's been all kinds of hints about this mm-hmm. throughout the game. Like this is the you know when we're in Ironicus's dungeon, he has that that grove mm-hmm. set up. Like he's tried to create like a fake version of of his home yeah he, you know and in his diary he talks about how like he just can't like hear it like you know or he's not he did, can't feel the presence mm-hmm. you know he talks about that later when we run into him and stuff too but this explains a lot of like the little weird little details yeah he was trying to clone elisim because he was in love with her he mm-hmm. kidnapped those dryads uh, you know to, to basically because of the dryads ability to inspire joy or make you feel something he doesn't yep. have a soul anymore so he can't actually feel that and kind of most pressingly, he has been cursed with a human lifespan, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which he considers to be a death sentence. So yes. he not only uh, his quest so far has not only been to recover what was lost, but to get revenge and, you know, still ascend to godhood. So yeah, that is that is his it, motivation. Well, and it, it specifically backfired. So what yeah. I'll see, and this will become text later, but like, yeah. you can figure it out now is that she wanted him to repent. Like, yeah. be like, oh, like, when you lose all this stuff, you'll know what you lost. But mm-hmm. one of the things she took away was the ability to know what you lost. Right. Like, she she took away the ability to feel guilt. Right. Like, it, it feels like a real, like, boneheaded thing to do, but also a way that maybe, you know, it was, like, relatable to me to fuck that up. Yeah. You know, just to be like, oh, like, I just didn't think it, like, it's <laughs> like a feeling a logic problem. Yeah, like, well, like, we, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't think this through. Is, yeah. is is the way that it goes and also that's probably informed by like weird elven fucked up values <laughs> like yeah. because because they are so aloof and separated from the concerns of destruction that Irenus, that that Irenicus could wreak on everybody they didn't necessarily understand well they, they feel pretty shitty else. about that once they realize it i think they didn't intend that i thought yeah. they thought like he would be in timeout for a little I, bit and then come be- you know begging back i i had to really work them to get a non-apology <laughs> well, the, at the end, like, are you talking when? When though? Because at the end, she was very apologetic to me. No, at the end, yeah, it's not not really. <laughs> I wonder if that's um if that's alignment based. Maybe I don't know. Because maybe maybe she was just like a bigger fan. Because I was you know this weird paragon, so she was just very like, listen, you know, we cannot begin to make amends for this. Like, we will start reparations immediately. Mm, no. um, at the end, so I wonder if that there might have been a branch at some point. But yeah, like, yeah, it's just interesting, you know. So it, it's not quite like Olgierd levels mm-hmm. but it's a very similar story yeah yeah so and it doesn't make you quite sympathetic to to ironicus because what he did in the first place was super shitty right right like he still did an incredibly bad thing it's just the short-sightedness of the elves that made him into a worse that problem. made it like actually like a a threat to the world right right you know and that's pretty interesting i think mm-hmm. i think that's a fairly sophisticated characterization and motivation for a villain oh yeah i did especially it. yeah it's cool like yeah. you know and and also just this like being you know this humanity this whole city like think about all the things that have happened mm-hmm. because of this yeah um you know the, like that whole explosion that happened in joaquin's promenade when like you know during the assault on his his lab or whatever mm-hmm. like from from everything you've done to you wiping out you know the, the, drow, <laughs> right. the drow city you know to uh uh all the the thieves guild all the people dying in the streets and stuff like that like mm-hmm. it just had these huge spell hold is now no longer a thing right so all of those insane wizards are free um, like all these things happen because of this short-sighted application of justice, right? 
you know, um, just like, and that's, I like that. That's something that, uh, Elisim, um, was being petty about this because she loved him too. Mm -hmm. You know, like she was hurt by this. Yeah. And that is what, uh, why she maybe let her wisdom get away from her. Yeah. Um, so it's all like really pretty good. And like when I first, when I was a kid and realized like, oh, they, they've been seeding this Mm -hmm. 70 hours ago. Oh yeah. Like 70 hours ago when I was in Ironicus's dungeon, they were seeding this shit. Like I was just, you know, had my mind blown. Yeah. Like this is like next level stuff for it's, when it came out. It's done very well. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a, it, like, it's, it's a good motivation. And they, 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 they thought it through and build it up. Ironicus is a really good villain. <laughs> yep. He's, he's great. I love him. Yeah. Um, and the stuff that's coming up with him next too, I really like as well. Oh, sorry. A little bit earlier, you made a reference to Olgir for people who didn't listen to that episode. He is oh, yeah. the, and he's one of the antagonists of hearts of stone. Just, just yes. so people weren't like, who's that? Yeah. yeah. That's a, uh, yeah. Um, so this is, uh, also a Bodhi since they both have their soul stripped and we're going to have this mortal lifespan. Bodhi's like, nah, I'm going to become a vampire. Vampires are immortal. Mm -hmm. Um, but John Irenicus went on this other, this other plan instead. Yes. Um, and he has kidnapped, uh, Elysium and taken her into the palace and it's sealed shut. Right. Magically. Yeah. So to get to the palace, you have to get past these beasts in the street and you, and you need to summon, uh, this avid sheets. Yep. McCoy in the sheets, beast in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you have to summon this uh, the, this avatar of the Leaf Lord Rillifane. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to so do to do that, you have to get these holy symbols around these houses in the city and uh, plop them into a, a thing, as well as uh, one that's being guarded by this black dragon, uh, who I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. <laughs> Nizadraminit. Yeah. Something something like that. Um, who is in this grove? Uh, he has this goblet you need. So this is your mm -hmm. mandatory dragon fight yes um, if you've been skipping them so you have to fight this guy and yeah. what's really fun is if you've done everything at this point you're so high level that this dragon fight is actually pretty easy <laughs> and the first one you have to cheese the shit out of it to fight the red dragon when you run into him yeah or the black dragon when you run into him so now being able to be like hmm and nobody died you know like this is actually pretty 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 simple it's pretty empowering uh, feels real good. yeah also his dialogue is very funny because like he's you know he like he's he's pure against his will kind of he doesn't mm -hmm. you know, like it like he wants to fight you but he doesn't want to fight you and you can try and yep. act all tough yeah uh, like the you fight can is mandatory. Get out of it. can you um, you can I, yeah i said mandatory but you can give him everything you have oh shit <laughs> how much you got <laughs> yeah he, you literally have to give him like everything in your inventory and of course you can drop everything right and pull the game because it's you know that uh black isle fallout Mm -hmm. you know uh infinity engine kind of thing where you can kind of tr do that kind of trick yeah and that works but i just did i was like it says a lot of where i was in the game where i'm like i'd rather kill a dragon than like deal with my inventory mm -hmm. for a little bit you yeah. know yeah so um inside these houses there are cool little scenes with the elves who are you know under siege like there's one where uh there, there, there there's a, a balor uh and the elf uh kind of they, they cast a bunch of spells and they both end up dying to get the blade like it's a you know like they, they're really selling the idea that this is a big battle mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you kind of go go from platform to platform gathering these things up um eventually you uh assemble the artifact and the leaf lord uh pops up and uh he goes and opens the door for you. You get to follow. And the, uh, the elves are still there. The generals and stuff are all cheering for you and, and everything. Mm -hmm. um, Ironicus is using Elysium as this link uh, to corrupt the Tree of Life. Yes. He's fucking with the Tree of Life. Right. And uh, you go into the gates uh, in order to uh, to get in and uh, actually rescue her. 
Yeah. So we're so, very close to the end as well. Yep. So you gather up some uh, acorns from a tree inside the palace and you place some more artifacts on statues. This opens a stairway down to the tree of life. Um, and this is a big janky dungeon that kind of looks like a tree, but is actually a little bit ugly. I think it reminds me of where you fight. Um, uh, uh, what's her head in torment. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow, I can't remember her name right now. That sucks. Um, the, the main antagonist lady of torment. Yeah. Um, when you fight her, you fight her in an area that's kind of like this. No. Yeah. No. Uh, Maxine Payne. Uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but before you go down here, you can have your little, uh, pep talk with, uh, with everybody in your party. It is a, it is a Bioware staple. Yes. You know, it's, Hey, we're going to, this is the point of no return. We're going into this shit. Um, do you, do you really want to be here? Yeah. And they, and your yep. responses to them can vary from like, you don't need to put yourself at risk to this. Uh, are you sure you want to do that too? You better not fucking turn on me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You can, you can, you can force them into it. You can do the evil path right. for this. Um, pretty, pretty great moment. And just rounding up with your characters. We're going to get another one of those, uh, in a moment, actually, where yep. you check in on everybody. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so you go in there, um, and uh, LSE even projects his image to you. He says, like, listen, I'm caged at the center of the tree. Ironicus is performing this ritual. Um, here are some acorns that are going to create these bridges. This mechanic goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happens automatically. I don't, don't, don't know why this happens. Yeah. Um, but essentially, you have to go. There's these, like, weird parasites. <laughs> that are part of um, the scenery. That are part of the scenery that you have to go and kill uh, in order to uh, prevent, like, free me. Right. And prevent his hold. So this is kind of a non thing. This just feels like they needed something here. <laughs> yeah to me like these aren't fight good fight you know tough fights or anything you go to these parasites you click on them and they summon a greater elemental mm-hmm. uh which are kind of tough fights but you have you're tricked out so you're good yeah yeah you um, you're ready for this essentially you just need to make sure you're arrested before you do the third one because it immediately uh puts us into this cutscene. right um so you're summoned right to Irenicus and mm-hmm. his plans are in ruins right like you have stopped the you have stopped the weakening of the tree of life um, and through dialogue with Elysim, you know, she, he says like, Hey, why, you know, if you don't want me to call you Jonaleth, should I call you Irenicus? Do you want me to call you the shattered one? Oh, right. Irenicus is the, is it, it is Elvin for shattered one. Okay. Yep. Uh, this is where it's confirmed. Irenicus and Elysim were once an item and now he feels nothing except for a desire for revenge. Yeah. And this, uh, is a extremely tough mage fight. Holy shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he is not fucking around no. uh, during this. You can cheese this pretty easily because mages don't chase you in this game. Mm-hmm. So they put up all their protections. You can just walk away, which is the least climactic thing you can do <laughs> after pursuing this guy across heaven and earth, um, <laughs> you know, but you can uh, just like walk away and stuff. But if you're fighting him straight up, he is the highest level mage fight we'll do in the game. Yeah. And he pulls um, out all the tricks. He time stops. He has simulacrum. He does decoys. Like it's yeah. a big deal. He's extremely difficult, and he has a lot of uh, kind of rotes, you know, a lot of those um, uh, contingency spells mm-hmm. set up and things. So he's very difficult. Right. Um, he has a lot of hit points. Um, but, you know, you hammer on him, you keep your party up, you get your summons in there to tank. Mm-hmm. You can take him down. You think this is the end. When he dies, um, you know, your soul doesn't come back to you. Nope. Um, <laughs> Instead, nope, you go to your soul. <laughs> exactly. Like, and Irenicus, of course, is going to go to hell. Um, and your soul being the soul of ball, mm-hmm. you know, is like, yeah, hell. <laughs> All uh, right. Let's so go home. Let's go home. Uh, country roads. <laughs> uh, and you get pulled into the nine hells um, for the actual climax of the game. 
fucking badass, man. <laughs> it's real good. Um, and, he, so, and it's really, like, kind to you, too. Like, any of your party members that died, like, when you die in this game, you drop all your equipment, mm-hmm. which is kind of a pain in the dick. Um, yeah. But their equipment will go with them. Their equi- <laughs> this cape also went to hell. It turns out you can <laughs> take it with you. <laughs> Yeah, this is a bad. This is a bad sword. The sword goes to hell. These yeah. boots, these these boots of winter, they're bad boots of winter. They went to hell. Um, they've also had their sins. They know what they did. Um, they went to hell, and everyone has commentary because they're all in hell. Uh-huh. And this is my second real like you know Jan MVP moment because he starts going. He goes, "This reminds me of it." Well, this this is just nope, <laughs> and then just nopes out of it before he, he has no comparison. Like he has no comparison. It's very cute like I, I i love it very much <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so we're here um you, you know just like hey what's what's going on why we were okay um yeah and we have a gigantic gate there are five colorful eyes around it uh and we have to go uh down these sets of stairs uh for what turns out to be a bunch of kind of moral trials uh mm-hmm. putting you through the paces of whether or not you are ball spawn through to the core yep what kind of ball spawn you're gonna be right um so if you're going in these naturally they want you to go it's really it's a real weird kind of assumption because they want you to go upper left going clockwise which does feel the most natural they want you to go upper left going counterclockwise is that true maybe i don't know what they want you to do like it makes it makes a lot of sense to go to sarabach first but he is yeah yeah so um, that one does. And I think that um, because there, there's a weird, you don't have to do it that way. Right, right. You know, but but, but Sarabak gives they, you a lot of exposition, which makes, yeah, yeah <laughs> makes sense to so do that, to him first. That it just, it seems like they should have made it so you went to him first because yeah. otherwise you're just like, oops, all demons. Like it, it doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, just just make it so whichever one you go into first is Sarabak and then it proceeds yeah. in order. Yeah. Um. So you, so you go down to the upper left, um, down the set of stairs, and we find uh, the Wraith of Sarabak. Siravak, of course, the antagonist of Baldur's Gate 1, yep. um, and your brother. Uh, and he tells you, like, you know, you're not dead because Irenicus didn't take all of your soul. Um, you need to move forward. You have to find these tiers of Ball uh, to proceed from yeah. here. The t- t- tiers he- of Ball fell into the hells every time Ball or one of a spawn killed somebody. Yep. Um, and th- this is what's going to open the door to get, actually get the rest of your soul from Irenicus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are different trials based around uh, five of the seven deadly sins, essentially. <laughs> yep. um, you know, like the weird, the Forgotten Realms version of bad, bad stuff. Right, right. Uh, and he is the wrath demon. Yeah. So he um, tries to tempt you into giving in to the Slayer. Just being like, hey, just uh, uh, succumb to your true nature. God, God <laughs> listens to Slayer. Um <laughs> Um, and at this point I'd kind of given up on doing the evil path because mm-hmm. I don't know, it just didn't seem, didn't, didn't, didn't seem right to go to hell and they just immediately go native. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, <"In Rome." laughs> uh, so I refuse and, uh, you know, we fought, killed them again. And I guess I never played Baldur's Gate one. So I killed Sarabok for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get the tear from him. Yep. And that is, uh, and these actually, like, you don't know this, but these all correspond to, um, benefits you're going to get yes and which way you do it and you can do it either way you want Mm -hmm. like it's not um you know you're not cut off right from things so i'm just going to say the things you get at this point you get them all at the end Mm -hmm. you know uh but it's worth just kind of seeing what you do so the 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 good uh path here is to not kill him Mm -hmm. or is to kill him rather as yourself not Mm -hmm. as the slayer right um the good path is you get plus one to your wisdom and charisma uh the evil path path is you get plus two to strength yeah which is arguably, I like how these are also equally weighted. Mm-hmm. Like these are arguably the evil ones are sometimes much better yeah. than that. 
It's pretty so, good. Yep. Uh, the next one that I encountered was Greed. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, like, hey, the wielder of this tier is way too powerful. You're going to need this legendary sword, the Black Razor. Yep. Uh, to defeat him. Yes. And it specifically says defeat. He's yeah. like, the only way you're going to be able to defeat this or get past this genie is with this sword. Um, so we go to the genie and it's up to you to say, like, talk to the genie or try to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Black Razor is incredible. Yeah. It is like essentially an evil. I mean, in the, the enhanced edition, they release an actual evil version of the um the the holy avenger this is the closest thing in the vanilla game okay an evil uh holy avenger um just incredible stats on mm-hmm. the black razor yeah. um and uh the genie if you had decided to talk to him instead of killing him mm-hmm. the, the the genie says like yes you know you're going to use the sword to, to to kill me or to, to get past me and you can say like oh, like what if i gave it to you and mm-hmm. they're like why well, can't and the genie like kind of winks at you throws his <laughs> eye out winking you and says i can't tell you if that would work uh so if you give him the sword uh you can actually get past this and that's the good way yes or you keep black razor and use it like a badass yeah. and murder him so if you if you do the good path i mean you get plus two to all your saving throws mm-hmm. uh very good but if you do the evil path you, path you get a plus 15 to your hit points and you get to keep the best evil sword in the game yes so pretty pretty intense <laughs> yeah. you know pretty good shit Mm-hmm. Uh, next one I found was selfishness mm-hmm. uh, presents you with two paths and very confusingly says the one to my left will do this and the one to my right will do this but he is facing away from you the viewer yep. <laughs> yep, yep. so I had to and they don't they don't stop you I thought they should stop you when you open a door yes at this point because the uh, the consequences there's nothing to know what the consequences are and they get increasingly intense yeah yeah uh, so the choice is, you know, sac- sacrifice you know, your essence, your attributes, or sacrifice one of your companions. Yeah. Yep. So the, 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 he kidnaps one of your companions immediately mm-hmm. and puts them on the other side. Um, he holds them. Um, there's a way around this. If you have that person have a contingency um, that's free, that does free action, like when they're made helpless. Oh, yeah. Um, then they will not be held, and they just talk to the demon and bypass the thing. <laughs> So then you don't have to, you know, have to do any of these things, but essentially you're supposed to, you know, go down the one path and you make these sacrifices that are significant. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is just like a little bit of your hit points. It's like, oh, that's no big deal. Then it's an entire point of dexterity, mm-hmm. which I hold up. Yeah. And the third one costs you a bunch of XP. Yeah. Um, the evil path just hurts your companion yes. as you go through. Um, another way to game this is if you dismiss all of your companions, they just put a uh, peasant. Mm-hmm there it's like well, i don't give a shit like you know um <laughs> the stakes are that. higher than this so yes bye um the good reward for this is plus 10 magic resistance which mm-hmm. is very good but the evil path is plus two armor class inherently which is also extremely good right so good stuff yeah, yeah. uh next one that i found is fear uh <laughs> fear offers a cloak made of nymph skin Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, which will completely negate any fear effects uh, that are, uh, you know, uh, that permeate this hallway you have to walk through. Um, well, it's it's more than that. It's kind of dumb. Like, there's two hallways, and one of them has a fear aura, and one of them is full of monsters. Yeah, one of them is full. Of, for me, it was beholders. Yeah, it's always it's always beholders, like yeah. types of beholders. So, like, you can always just fight. Mm-hmm to get past this or you can walk you can cast protection from fear like i have a spell that does this bro yeah you know like i don't need your your cloak of, of puppy skin like i <laughs> i can just do this so this, this ends up being not a very uh difficult choice right um and this is the one where you want to do the good path no matter what because you get immunity to plus one weapons or, and below yeah 
It's just like, come on. That's so cool. <laughs> like, like, at no point in Throne of Ball will you, will you encounter anybody who nope. uses weak weapons like that. But still, yeah, you're, at you're some point, you'll, you'll run into plus one weapons yeah. in Throne of Ball. Like, there'll be, like, you know, soldiers and, and, and you know, just creatures mm-hmm. that have that you'll be immune to. Yeah. So, and you definitely won't, though, in Baldur's Gate. Like, we're at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. It just feels incredible to, like, break the rules like that. <laughs> yep. Uh, hi, my name is Jimmy, and I have magic skin. <laughs> there's um uh there's a comic book called Exiles. Okay. Um, that is essentially X-Men Quantum Leap, right? So it's, like, different, going from different dimensions with plays on the X-Men. And it's, like, it's a guilty pleasure comic. Like, it's not good. Right. Um, but it, it, it has fun situations. And in one of them, uh, the Blob, you know, the Blob, the, the X-Men? Yeah. The yeah. the Blob. Um, he uh, is going to Banks. And he just passes them a note and says, I'm a bulletproof mutant. Give me all of your money. <laughs> and then just waits for them to do it and then leaves with all the money. Like, and that's, that's what he does every time. And that's what I would do if I had immunity to normal weapons. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to waste good bullets? Yeah. Don't, don't waste your bullets on me. Like, listen, let's just get this over with. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so that's one of the weaker little situations. And the demons are like, you know, if you know demons you know that they're tempting you into something dumb yeah, yeah you know like you know it's a little bit silly but like it is uh you know just fun classic demony stuff mm-hmm. you know yeah uh yeah. especially fun with pride i like pride yeah. as just a as a subversion of or you know calling out regular video game stuff so pride mm-hmm. says hey the, the 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 next tier you need is guarded by this amazingly powerful monster out past here it must die um, yep. and you can say, all right, yep. Uh, I'll grab my sword and go kill this dragon. Um, yep. <laughs> the other way that you can ask for more information, say, what kind of monster is, is like, oh, it's so badass. So you're just not going to believe it. Uh, my, my cousin said it was the biggest one you ever saw. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you like, keep pressing him. If you just keep doing that, um, he eventually will just be like, well, and you're like, well, does, do I have to fight him? Like, does he even want the tier? Would you give it, would you give it to me if I asked him? And he's like, eh, you could try it, I guess, but it's not that cool you know you've more or less defeated the demon at that point yeah um and you walk up to a dragon um and if you just talk to him instead of fighting him uh, he's just like yeah i don't want this yeah (laughs) and gives it to you um but this is also one where it it is potentially good to do the evil path Um, Mm -hmm. the good path gives you a really good reward which is 20 percent resistance to fire cold electricity Mm -hmm. evil path only gives you uh 200 xp but killing this dragon gives you a bunch of good stuff um including the robe of the evil arch magi so depending on if you have um multiple mages in your party yeah um those robes are really good yeah so um <laughs> there's some good lines in this when you're asking hey why do we need to kill this you must kill it because it exists it stands in your way yeah um and then when you when you pass it on the good side it says obviously you have no pride yeah <laughs> <That's right. laughs> sick burn uh demon so you don't actually get those abilities until you go up to the door mm-hmm. um, when you do you uh pop the tears into it you get the the abilities and then the door blasts open and you get knocked back as yep. Ironicus walks out <laughs> and uh, here he explains, like, essentially, he's just like, you know, you have fucked up my plans like pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I'm going to relish destroying you. Um, and here death is actually final. Right. Because we're in hell. Like, we're not going to get dragged down to super hell. <laughs> Although that's what happens to him at the end of the game. He does go to super hell. <laughs> um, I think that's just another section of regular hell. Yeah. Yeah. There, but yeah. Hell. Um, hell. But for realsies. Yeah. Um, and this starts a very difficult final battle because he yeah. he not only uh, turns into the Slayer, uh, he summons four demons, you know, like Balors and such. Uh, and he can cast yes. like as the Slayer. He's not mindless and he teleports. Uh-huh. 
So he can he can teleport around, and it's very different. Like he is throwing uh, everything he can that fucks up your control of your party. Mm -hmm. So con confusions and dominations and things like that. Like it's very hard just to keep your party with eyes on him mm -hmm. and in control of your party and not have them be feared or confused or chaos. Yeah. Yep. Any of that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. <laughs> like yep. you even just deal like even dealing with a handful of these demons is pretty tough. Still, it was at my at the, even at the level I was at dealing mm -hmm. with four of them at once plus that. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a worthy final battle for this huge game. Yep, and but not so much so that like it might take a couple tries, but it doesn't feel like oh like you have to cheat to get past this or oh it's unreasonable. Right, right. Like you can do it mm -hmm. at this point if you've done everything up until this point, you can do this. This is not necessarily harder than the elemental lich or harder than Cagnax. Right, you know um but yeah mm -hmm. yeah i'm um, really good um you eventually kill him you just kind of have to keep hammering on him um he'll run out of steam again in this game everybody runs by the same rules so he will run out of spells mm -hmm. nobody has unlimited cast of anything so then he just kind of becomes a demon you know as the slayer and you can you can fight him right. normally um wear him down and then you uh you beat him um after you kill him your soul flies into your body right um, and this takes us in, it takes us into the ending, which looking at my notes, I realized because I'm playing the enhanced edition includes the ending of shadows of Om and the beginning of throne of ball. Yep. <laughs> so yep, this, this, it sends you directly into throne of ball, right? Like, which is uh, chapter eight, uh, after yep. chapter seven here. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. But you wake up back in Sultan SLR. Uh, it's, you've been dead for two days, uh, yep. and you get a, you get a little ceremony, you get a metal ceremony. <laughs> yep and 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 i see now that since it is different because of alignment like that is probably why they are more contrite okay for you thing, they're because... like you're solid so we can totally own up to this yep and for you they were not doing that they were just like eh, we're elves like i mean i i understand them not wanting to, to explain to somebody who you know like we don't need to explain to somebody who's evil we're elves right you right. know like that they're going to be arrogant about that yeah and for you me know? she was like oh i apologize for having some small part in what irenicus became <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no, it's in the uh, in the the good version. It's literally like, how can we even begin to make reparations? Right, like they, right. it's pretty pretty obsequious, right? Actually, um, and uh, yeah, and then you're there with your party and you're ready to to continue, and that'd be the end of the game normally, mm -hmm. except where it cuts to Ironicus, uh, who wakes up on this this rock on this endless lava plain, mm -hmm. and he looks out and he's like, God, it ends like this. Like he's really depressed, uh, you know. And then a bunch of demons uh, that look like they're right out of spawn, like just, mm -hmm. you know, Malbolgia, 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 <laughs> Malbolgia, just like pops up behind him. And uh, he starts fighting them off, but his magic is not working very well right? Um, here until eventually they tackle him into the lava. Yes. Uh, and that is the the actual end of Baldur's Gate 2. Mm -hmm. um, there is there is a, a setup for uh, Throne of Ball, but we're not talking about that now, like maybe someday. Yep. Um, Throne of Ball is this game is is seven chapters. Throne of Ball is three, and they're long chapters. Yeah. So it's a lot of people are like, oh, I'm bummed out that you're not covering Throne of Ball. It's like, well, you know, the, the, that it's, would be a lot. It's a real big game. <laughs> yeah, that, that's already a very big game. Like Throne of Ball is very cool. It is different. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, maybe someday. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's uh that's Baldur's Gate too. Yeah. Do we want to do final thoughts? I don't know yeah. that I have a lot to say that I haven't said over the course of these many many episodes. Like it's a good mm -hmm. game. I'm very happy that I got to play it. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, I don't, I don't have the bottomless appetite for Infinity Engine that you do. Um, so I don't know that I'm going to go right from this to um, Icewind Dale or whatever. Uh, yeah. However, uh, it's just it's it's a really well crafted story. I love the structure of it, and it was a lot of fun to spend some time in the Forgotten Realms again. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of this that is just kind of uh, subject matter comfort food for me, um, yeah. in a in a real huge way. So yeah, this is uh, this has been great. It's um like if you if you have that D and D affection, I think it's it's going to hit the hardest. I think even if you don't, if you are just like a fan of of CRPGs, though, I think mm-hmm. that this is, you know, pretty. For for the time, one hundred percent. But even just kind of in general, like pretty close to best in the biz. Like, yeah, there there are things. None of the games that, uh, wait, like I'm I'm gonna make a big statement. I'm trying to decide if I want to make it. Um, the only like kind of, the only big CRPG I can think of holistically that I like as much as this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very short list. Right. It's like New Vegas. You know, and, and that came after, I mean, specifically. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like they just got better mm-hmm. as a genre. They didn't. Yeah. You know, like the Dragon Age games, even the ones I like are not as good as this holistically. Right. Like there's there's joy to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's things that are better about them. But there are so many things that are worse. And that dedication to and it being a stated dedication, like reading about it from from the devs of just like, yeah, we're never going to waste your time. Yep. Like everything is going to be interesting. Anytime you do a quest, it's going to be interesting. And then just the, like, oh, the most recent Dragon Age game literally has you going collecting herbs. Yeah, yeah. We talked you about know, this in like, the first episode. Yeah. For sure. But it's really noteworthy. Yes. Like, it just feels very, um, like, one of the nicest things you can say about this game. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the most, you know, complimentary things is, like, it just doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know? And if that's not appealing, I don't understand, like, how that could, it's... somebody could be like, oh, that's not cool. That's yeah. not noteworthy. It, the, the... Like, it's so fucking cool. Like, <laughs> you know it's, like, it's a pretty good first premise or it's a pretty good it's it's a pretty good ethic to, to, like like, to, to set out with yeah yeah from from the very start we're just not going to make you do that right and it's like how like not only is the rest is it just like really well crafted and good yeah. other than that but like what an amount of good like goodwill yeah. the, that there, generates the, the, and, and there's probably a discussion to be had about whether they succeeded at that the whole time i mean limited wish mm-hmm. quest was a bummer you know in those additional areas that you can go to um but it just as a you know as a destination you know like if you're fixated on that target you're going to make a lot of different decisions rather than if you didn't have that as your as your north star right well and even like whether they succeeded in it so like those things are one percent of the game by volume and Mm -hmm. even the limited wish quest has a good joke in it yeah you know like it's what it's being compared to like that's comparing Baldur's gate 2 to itself that's not comparing Baldur's gate 2 to yeah yeah. um, go collect 10 herbs Mm mm-hmm you know, like it's just so far above what we are asked to do in RPGs now, yeah. even in ones I like, mm-hmm. like even in good ones, like even in like Divinity Original Sin yeah. or something like that, like a game I like the just the content of what you're being asked to do does not respect your mm-hmm. time yeah, uh, as much as Baldur's Gate 2 does. And it's it's asking for a lot of your time. So that's very important, right? Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't do this game uh, and have it not do that because it's asking for so much of you, but it just gives you so much. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that's like really like Witcher three is real close. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that we love to Witcher three is Witcher three never 
says, hey, go collect 10 herbs. I'm Dragon Age. I fucking suck. You know, like Witcher 3 never does that. Yeah. So it should be underlined. Um, I, I raised that. Like you, you can have a discussion about whether or not they, they, they rise to it. Not because I strongly believe they don't rise to it a bunch, a bunch of the time, but more to, mm-hmm. but more to say that like it is like that is a separate conversation from is this a worth, a worthwhile value to, to yeah. have? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can pedantically say like, oh, you know, there's one area where there's nothing to do. Yeah. I'm not saying you're doing that, but you could do that, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually invalidate. Like, even if you ignore that, like, Oh, it's never going to waste your time. (laughs) Right. This is not world of Warcraft. Like design aesthetic. It's also just like, has really clever. Like if you want to know how infinity engine combat can be good, you play this and then you play torment. Like Mm -hmm. torment is a way more important game and touch my heart. And that's like really rare thing for video games to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's makes that more important, but the articulation point between this and torment is how you do infinity engine combat. Well, yes. And it shows the craft that goes into, uh, in the encounter design and kind of enemy design in this game that's lacking there. That actually is again, really noteworthy. Like mm-hmm. it's really good. Yeah. To, 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 two incredibly, uh, good data points that were, were, were each one says a lot about the other. You know, they reflect on each other in an interesting way. Yeah. You know, and then even and even Icewind Dale reflects on them in an interesting way. Like they they form a really interesting kind of triad between them. And it's not we're not talking about this time, but it also has to be, you know, mentioned as a thing where the fact that this does just start again with Baldur's or uh throwing a ball and that you can just take your character for Baldur's Gate one, like just the scale of this is unprecedented. It's not, you know, people talk about Skyrim or or Oblivion or Fallout 4 as being having this huge scale mm-hmm. like that, but it's not the same, like going from level one to level 30 in D and D, even if it's not D and D, like even if you take away that affection mm-hmm. is just a, a length and depth of adventure and character empowerment that I just don't think is seen in games. Like it's, I, I don't know anything else that has done anything that impressive, mm-hmm. you know? And again, it asks a lot and Baldur's Gate one is not as good. And Baldur's Gate one does waste your time more than Baldur's Gate two does. Yeah. But once you get past that, like you can just go on this really, really long, satisfying journey if you want to. Mm -hmm. So really fucking impressive. Like one of my favorite games we've done for the show by a lot and Mm -hmm. revisiting it felt really good. Yeah. Yeah. And from for me, you know, it had been built up. You know, people had been you know, just like fantasizing, writing fan fiction about the day Cole would play Baldur's Gate two for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's a lot for a game to live up to. Um, you know, just the, I was nervous that I would come to it and it would be like the uh, what are the TV trips like Seinfeld is unfunny thing. But yeah. No, no. It just it, it's still like an amazingly good game. You know, even mm-hmm. even in light of the expectations that I walked into it with. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And the enhanced edition, like the beam dog stuff, it reminds me a lot of August Durloth. Yeah, you know, like yeah. where it's like it's their 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 actual additions to the the game are pretty shitty, mm-hmm. but they're stewarding it and making it so more people can play it, so they're ultimately a force for good. Yes, you know, um, August Durloth being the guy who uh, made sure all the Lovecraft stuff got released. Yes, and was not good at the Cthulhu mythos, <laughs> right? In general, um, but yeah, really, really happy we did it. I love it. Good game to end year on mm-hmm. especially before we do some like you know 2019 has some stuff yeah and so our next episode uh before next episode you will you will hear about some stuff mm-hmm. so i uh, look forward to that um yeah 
so we have your responses. We, we paired into this fourth episode. Yes. As well. uh, so let's jump right into this uh, with mm-hmm. Joseph, who says via contact, this game, holy cow, this game is the epitome of adventure to me. This whole series is the perfect showcase for explaining the journey of the typical massive lifelong tabletop RPG campaign from a level one nobody in Baldur's Gate 1 and the relatively small plot line of political warmongering to the amazing mid to high level AD&D adventure that Baldur's Gate 2 represents. I'll always remember playing it as a child after my dad got it for me. And by me, I mean the both of us. Um, that's good. Uh, mm-hmm. One of those fun dad purchases. That's for that's for him, too. Um, mm-hmm. Since this game came out on my eighth birthday uh it means a lot to me that you guys are playing one of my favorite games of all time after having already played my actual favorite fallout one yeah this is actually i wrote this <laughs> yeah, actually the, the, the astute listeners will know i didn't write this because it talks about a dad but the uh <laughs> like other than other than that me and joseph are very simpatico about this yeah. like i think i followed two as edge fallout one since i revisited them for the show but like yeah. Yeah. for a long time fallout one was my favorite game for sure. Um, um, and that's that, that's something that I, I forget if we said this in the first episode. It was so long ago. Um, but something that this game and any game that adapts D&D uh, does mm-hmm. is brings that experience to somebody who doesn't have a group of friends or the time to get together to play a big campaign. You're engaging yeah. with those rules and still getting a taste of it, which is... And the, uh, the rules and that feel. Yeah. You know, and that was always kind of the idea behind the gold box or behind... D&D computer games, mm-hmm. um, this is as, as successful as it's been. Yes. You know? Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely relate to that. As somebody who, um, you know, I've played a lot, done a lot of tabletop gaming, but I've done most of my tabletop gaming in Portland. Mm-hmm. Before that, I enjoyed it as a kid and everything, yeah, but it was just yeah. harder to get together and harder to find people for. And I definitely read, you know, more issues of Dungeon Magazine and Dragon Magazine than I actually got to put into practice. Right. You know? I rolled up more, so many characters that never actually saw the light of day. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon says via contact, uh, this might sound lame, but this game always reminds me of the Doobie brothers. I took the SATs early, right before starting high school. And my mom took me to GameStop afterwards. My family had recently gotten a windows machine and dial up internet. And when I saw the PC games, I thought, holy shit, computer games that summer was Baldur's Gate 2. I read the manual during the installation and began my, the first of my many nights adventuring until dawn with my mother's old turntable pumping out China groove grove. Yeah, the Doobies Brothers song of the same name. Yeah. Um, So this is surprising because I would assume that you would would associate Baldur's Gate with the Bee Gees. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) 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 Have you seen in person, have you seen the manual for this? (laughs) <laughs> no i haven't it is it is a work of art okay it's a spiral bound uh like 300 page manual that pretty much contains the player's guide from D from second edition in it nice it has descriptions for every spell in the game mm-hmm. um and That's tells awesome. you how to play second edition D. nice um it's very cool regularly i've said this i made this said this before but the um a big uh kind of plus thing in the old crpg manuals is that they will show up in goodwill's um as books. like game guides yeah yeah like priced as books because people don't understand that they're part of a larger product project yes. product yeah so yeah, yeah. My, my my analog to that was the neverwinter nights manual which contains which is also a, really good yeah yeah like if like a three yeah yeah that, that manual is great mm-hmm. yeah so. uh thank you brandon 
Mm-hmm. Tim says, nice to see you guys doing an episode on one of the best games I have never finished, Baldur's Gate 2. <laughs> one thing I have to say about uh, is that while Beamdog's additions are questionable at best, they did add one secret party member that not many know about, Wilson the Bear. You can get him during Chapter 2 while doing a quest for a guy named Zeviak at the Hidden Refuge, and you will encounter Wilson during Rasad's companion quest. Wilson is a literal bear. Pretty much plays like a Kensai fighter with barbarian rages. He's a lot of fun to use. Yeah, I uh, I looked him up. You know, I, I saw stuff mm-hmm. about him. Yeah. Um, but I just couldn't uh, bring it in my heart to do Rasad stuff. Right. Out of the new companions, I find Rasad really annoying. Is he like the <laughs> just the stereotypical evil half orc kind of guy? No, no, no. That guy, that's Dorn, and he's mm. also I don't like him either. But Rasad is a Sun Soul monk. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's just he does monk stuff. Yeah. And he, uh, he, you probably ran into him. He, cause he flags you down and trade meet. Um, and he hangs out in an area you'd have to go to. So he just tries to like, if you're playing the enhanced edition where you saw like two monks. Yeah. I saw that. Fight, I was like, that, eh, that's Rasad nah. trying to bait you into hanging out with Rasad. Yeah. The only, yeah. the only enhanced edition characters that tempted me, a uh, character that tempted me was Nira, the wild mage. Yeah. That seemed like a cool story that she was like protecting a group of wild mage kids from they, but <laughs> Me too. Like I, I, I looked into that and thought about that. I just didn't have place for a pure mage. Yeah. I'm a thing. And I find wild mages a little bit annoying. Hmm. Like to, to deal with mechanically. Like yeah. it'd be fun in tabletop where a DM could kind of like push the rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just having a spell do a wild surge that really, really impacts your party negatively is kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, I'll just reload. Like it's a video game, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not that's not exciting. Right. In this version. Um, thank you, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh Riley says via contact. Baldur's Gate 2 was a game I had a lot of difficulty with as a teenager. Some bosses take me a dozen or so, a dozens of attempts. That was until I had discovered the joys of the wand of cloud kill, closing doors and stopping enemies from escaping, and that selling a wand to a merchant recharged the wand so you could buy it back fully charged. Suddenly, I became less of a hero battling impossible odds and more of a walking Geneva convention violation, <laughs> uh, filling the layers of dragons with chlorine gas so I could walk into the, after the, into the aftermath and claim the spoils. <laughs> I can't say this was good balance or design, and really, I should have bumped down the difficulty. But the experience of knowing that I couldn't possibly kill a creature in a fair fight, so going out of my way to stack the deck in my favor uh, and, and not fight fair felt like a really unique experience that I've never felt in modern RPGs. I think that's good design. I think I, the I fact mean, that you can think your way out of problems is really good in this game. Yes. So, um, but yeah, it's. I was going to say the same thing. Like you just, yeah. you, you just use the systems. Like the systems are there; they can interact. You just have to figure out a way to, you know, get them to intersect in the right way to advantage you. Yeah. Yep. You don't. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, we we talked about this a lot in that first episode, mm-hmm. but like, you know, the the modern modern video games want to control your experience. Yeah. That is like their primary goal. Yeah, is to make do things the way that the developers intended, and that sucks. And yeah. old games didn't do that as much. Yeah, Dutch um, oven those orcs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's also like, so one way to, to I mean, this is too, too late now because Riley's already played this. But one way that I thought about it when at first, you know, when I think that's kind of cheating is like you could just totally do that at the table, mm-hmm. like th- shooting a wand and then closing the door and like putting your back up against it, like uh, <laughs> fucking Walter White, um, you know. <laughs> Closing the door of the RV is is literally a thing your characters could do, Uh you know? So it just, it feels better to me, not worse. Yeah. If it just, because it feels less video Mm gamey. So it's great stuff. (laughs) 
Uh, Andrew writes, I hope you mentioned the modding community for the Baldur's Gate series. Surprisingly, it is still thriving two decades on. Works like the Trilogy Stringing Mod that ties all the games together to a bounty of additional companions. I recommend Cyrene and Zan. Um, and the ever-important Sword Coast Tactics and Ascension works. Um, it even has my all-time favorite mod, the MON Romance. Romance, blah. Way less creepy than it sounds, and one of the sweetest romances in gaming. Hmm. Um, we didn't... The reason why I haven't spent as much time on mods on this, um, whereas I have done mods for, like, Fallout 1 and 2, is because this is so long. Yeah, yeah. That, like, by the time I'm ready to play it again, I'm not like, oh, I just want to try it with some mods now. It's usually I've forgotten, like... I'm, this is my third playthrough of the game, and it's being it's about every seven to ten years. No, yeah. I've like replayed it. Like I played it shortly after it came out, or like in my early twenties. I played it when I first moved out to Portland when I was thirty, and I played it this year mm-hmm. when I'm thirty-eight. So like, I just don't play it enough to really want to mess with, you know, with mods. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, while recognizing that they're cool, mm-hmm. like the tactics mods, like the ones that actually make the combat more difficult are interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I just don't have, I just have other games to to play. Yeah. So I think it's cool that they exist. Yeah, absolutely. And just, it's a, it's a, it's a great way for people to get their development chops up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mods yeah are great. I'm, I'm definitely in favor. Yes. Um, let's see here. This is you, I believe for Ray. Oh, okay. Uh, Ray says by contact. I was 13 when Baldur's Gate two came out and my aunt bought it for my birthday, knowing how much I loved Baldur's Gate one. Baldur's Gate 2 became the first thing I installed on any new computer and a gateway to deeper friendship with my cousin, who also played, and a way to avoid going to the freshman homecoming dance. (laughs) Baldur's Gate 2 completed my change into somebody who thinks of themselves as a gamer, as problematic as that came to be. And with the introduction of NPC mods, soft introed uh, role-playing as a gay woman, which was a necessary education, as it turns out. I spent hours downloading portraits and hours particularly in the Underdark, marveling at the horror at the different choices and consequences I could cause. I've played games uh, since then that have topped it, Planescape, The Witcher 3, various walking sims relevant to my experience, but it was my first and deepest immersion in what games do right, combining mechanics, player choice, and storytelling to create a whole experience. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody, um, nobody, somebody didn't follow up on it. Somebody on Twitter was like, the reason why I like the later Dragon Age games is because they're friendlier to to women and, and gay players and i wanted i you know i asked for like elaboration they never got back to me which is fine they don't they don't owe me anything mm-hmm. but it is um i do think that like you can see the beginnings of that here yeah like you do get to do a little bit of that role playing and play with that kind of identity here like that's something bioware would eventually get better at and yeah, become very yeah. known for you know yeah and you know, the, specifically like this one only having one male companion uh for yes. uh female female players or female player characters yep. and no gay options yeah yep. you know and that's a little bit the style at the time like of course modders have like fixed that but at the time that's a little bit obnoxious yeah, yeah. um but just kind of being able to to try on you know that different character and kind of do this like romantic role play yeah, yeah. um is you know that's that's the beginning of a path that like the best part of is it allows really robust options for that. And then the worst part of, you know, it being every new Bioware game being like a, a expand, like a trading card pack of people to, you know, of like ro- of, 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 of people to get, to get romance points with by saying, yes. saying the right thing. Yep. Saying the right thing and giving them the right things. Like that's the yeah, expensive yeah. way, but there's also, I'm not going to say that there's nothing to the idea of being able to use a video game to play in those waters. Uh-huh. 
you know, if that's something that, um, yeah. you know, you want that safe space to do that in. Yeah, or, or absolutely, like, I mean, just, like, look at looking at Dragon Age and Mass Effect in particular, being able to design your character to be what you want them to be is mm-hmm. a way to assert, um, is, is a way to assert some will over identity within a video game that something, mm-hmm. something as, uh, I mean, like graphically primitive as Baldur's Gate, um, is, mm-hmm. doesn't let you, doesn't let you inhabit. Um, yeah. and there's, there, there's value to that as well. Like you have to choose between portraits that exist, Yes, you know, and that's something that like is a, it's really interesting. That's something that in video games um, is something that I, I like, but also can can t- kind of take or leave. Mm-hmm. But I really respect how important that is to, to other people. Yeah, yeah. Like I just I just know people who can't who just don't enjoy games with set protagonists, mm-hmm. no matter who they are. Yeah. And then like, that, that was the thing like, around the time of The Witcher 3. We, we, we covered The Witcher 3. Like there are people yeah. who said, just I just cannot get into this, get into this character. And I, I understand yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I get I get it. Like I I like both. Like I under like for me it is making my own guy is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, telling being told a story about somebody is really fun as long as it's not Titus. <laughs> and because I hate him, <laughs> I hate him, I hate him. Yeah, that's um, fine. I heard you the first time. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> it's I'm I'm having a modicum of fun with that game. I just Titus is. When I when I think about uh, a, a prescribed protagonist, that yeah, feels like yeah. a monkey's paw wish. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Um, um, is this uh, this, this is, is you? Me. I believe this is me. Yep. So Paul says replaying Baldur's Gate two has really made it clear to me why the current crop of real time with pause CRPGs like Pillars of Eternity and Tyranny aren't as fun for me, and I think it's mostly due to the lack of a tabletop rule set. Weirdly enough, slavish dedication to a licensed tabletop rule set makes Baldur's Gate 2 more fun to play than RPGs designed from the ground up as video games. The core difference is that the tabletop rules have a digital a digital feel to them. Numbers are discrete integers. Empowerment comes in leaps rather than small steps, and victory is often a binary outcome rather than the result of attrition. It's easiest to see this difference in loot and equipment. In Baldur's Gate 2, it's very easy it's very easy to tell the difference between a plus 2 and plus 3 weapon. Uh, whereas weapons and pillars of eternity have a handful of decimal modifiers attached to them, confusing the matter to the point that they require World of Warcraft style color coding to tell the player which weapons are good and which are bad. You can see digital, in quotes, tabletop design in more than just loot. There are many encounters in Baldur's Gate 2 in which the enemy can destroy you immediately unless you implement the right counters. Uh, But when you do, victory is almost total. If a wizard successfully casts confusion on your party, the game is over. But if you feather that wizard with arrows before he can move or cast chaotic commands beforehand, uh, the fight is won in seconds. Compare this to Pillars of Eternity, in which there are dozens and dozens of status effects, most of which apply subtle penalties to your character's stats, and none of which you can dispel permanently or protect against completely. It's a consciously analog design that favors attrition, and attrition never feels as fun as clever total victory. I don't mean to bag on the newer crop of CRPGs. I've enjoyed most of them, but none of them have matched the heights of Baldur's Gate's, uh, Baldur's Gate's 2's uh gameplay for me and i think the lack of tabletop rules is to blame yeah that's uh that's well put 100 like it's a different yeah it's something we you know we've said a, a bunch and i think that is it's not just the lack of tabletop rules it's also um that movement towards kind of modern game design just so just like, in terms of like a constant drip of incremental like percentages yeah. of advantages yeah yep and um allowing so one of the things that does is allows for random loot instead of authored loot which is mm-hmm. not 
uh, true in either of those games, but isn't true a lot of those games that have this problem. Mm-hmm. The like 0.2% frost damage. Yeah, thing, I know, like, which I can lay solely on Blizzard's feet. Yeah, yeah, which Blizzard fucked that up for everybody. Yeah. Um, the uh, and is is like currently fucking me up. Like I'm you know playing Fallout 76 and mm-hmm. stuff, but it was a Fallout 4 thing too. Is it just like we've resigned ourselves as as game players uh, of never finding anything cool ever again? <laughs> we just decided that when we go to the the end of a dungeon. We just have a chance at getting something slightly better than what we have and a mm-hmm. good chance at getting something we can sell for peanuts. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> um, you know, because thank you, uh, Diablo. And thank you, World of Warcraft, for fucking it up. Yep. Um, but the uh, it's also just, uh, it is that lack of tabletop set, but it's also core kind of values where they think that it is bad design to have an encounter over in one direction or another. Yeah. Well. Like one of the things about Pillars of Eternity and Tyranny, and Tyranny was my favorite game the year it came out. Like mm-hmm. I love Tyranny, but uh, encounters last a while. Yeah, yeah, they want them to last a while. There are fewer of them. Like it's balanced for them. I don't ever find and Tyranny is like twenty five hours. Like I never yeah, find Tyranny yeah. to be a slog. It's a really great game, but they want those fights to be a battle of attrition. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whereas like uh, so, it's not just that they have the lack of a tabletop thing. That end result was a design value in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I'm in a similar spot. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think either of those. Like, I think uh, Tyranny does a lot of really cool shit. Like, it's hard for me to, you know, I love that game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that is a really great point in comparing Pillars and Baldur's Gate 2 because Pillars, out of the modern crop of CRPGs, is probably the most disappointing one to me, even though I had fun with it. Yeah. It's just, I remember so little about it. It's just not very memorable and was not super fun in the hands. Right, right. And like, we, did we have a shorthand for this? I, I think that we probably picked it up uh, from somebody else. I know I heard it first from Zach on Video Games Hot Dog, but the idea of a small numbers RPG, you know, yeah. when we heat prey is on something like uh, Paper Mario or West yep. of Loathing. Um, yep. you know, just like, it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, oh gosh, darkest dungeons, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, darkest just, dungeon is, is a small numbers RPG. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like uh, keep it integers. If you, if you, if you rise above three digits, you probably did something wrong. And if yep. you ever have a decimal on a stat sheet, uh, go to hell. You fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go to the nine health and try to get your soul back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, it's gone forever. I've stomped it into dust because yeah, you have a decimal on an RPG sheet. The only <laughs> yeah. decimal you should have is after between an 18 and a 19 in strength. <laughs> for some reason that's okay but other than that go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah and i guess 3.5 um, is okay <laughs> yeah but then that's that's literally it though um yeah i totally totally agreed and like D is inherently a small numbers rpg yeah, yeah. you know even a high level play it's still a small numbers rpg like mm-hmm. the highest you know the highest dice you have is 20 yeah you know so that that's great um grifter says by contact i have a similar long story tale of Baldur's Gate 2 that I'm sure is familiar by now with people who have played the first one and being blown away by the second one. It was my first real D&D experience and playing multiplayer with two brothers in our teens was incredibly formative and a positive experience. Going on to play two mostly by myself was just as mind blowing as the first one had been in multiplayer. Many a night uh, sleep lost thinking about putting together a new party with a new ball spawn. The only really special story I think I can pass on that others might not have already uh, that might others might not have already is how after I finished the original Shadows of Om game, I had to make a tough choice between playing through it again and trying out this Planescape Torment game they got for free with my pre-order from EB Games down here in Australia. Suffice it to say, the summer school holidays of 2000 were amazing and incredibly influential experiences. 
Man, the early two yeah. thousands was a really good. It was a really good period of time for, that for was, video yeah, games. That was good shit. Like yeah. that was the good yeah, shit. Late nineties, um, early two thousands is okay. Specifically, when I was fourteen to sixteen, uh, yeah. <laughs> that probably had something to do with it. But there was a lot of good stuff there. Like, and my like my version of that came a little bit later. Like, I the when I I, lo- I talked about this before, but when I played all these games, was when I, I lost an apartment and had to move back in with my mom for a summer. Yeah, uh, which it sounds like a dark time, but it was literally just allowed me to. Mm-hmm have a little bit of disposable income, which I didn't have, you know, as, as a teen, um, very much and just have be unemployed and not pay rent for a couple months. And just like, okay, well, this is the, this is the summer in which I play Baldur's Gate one, two, Fallout one, two, Torment. (laughs) This is is the summer where I become Gary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This this is where I was born. I played Deus Ex that summer. Like that was the summer I was born. The, uh, you know, uh, and that was also incredibly influential to me. And also when I played other game, when you talk about that being an amazing time, that's also when I played um, when I was in doing Team Fortress mm-hmm. uh, classic guild stuff. And that's when I was um, that's when I played Grand Theft Auto three yep. for the first time, which at the time was extremely special. The Sims um, that was that that was that, that was like the Sims for me, like the, the summer yep. of like 2001. Yeah, me too. Um, and the first time, uh, the very inklings of my disfavor with Kojima started then when I got to the end of Metal Gear Solid 2, had to pee and couldn't for 45 minutes. <laughs> they watched the stock footage of fucking nuclear bombs being put from one shelf onto another goddamn shelf. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you cannot pause it. Like, yes, we know that nukes sometimes get moved four feet to the right. Thank you, Kojima. It's fucking profound. Like, the... <laughs> Like just here you are. Now it's here now. Thanks, Otacon. <laughs> Let me go piss. Jesus <laughs> oh, <Christ>. man. <laughs> uh Lewis writes via contact. To me, Baldur's Gate 2 stands alone uh for two reasons. First, it was developed in my hometown of Edmonton, Alberta. Beamdog hey. is also based there, incidentally. Hometown Pride. Awesome. Uh, second, I was introduced to the game as a young boy uh, at a young age by a good friend of mine who later died before his time. Um, Bioware games in Baldur's Gate 2 especially are wrapped in a thick blanket of emotion for me. It was great to hear your praise uh, hear your praise for the structure of the game's second chapter, which I also loved. I wish more games copied this idea. Uh, I was a little surprised to hear you praise the game's combat as much as you did. After spending way too many hours playing Infinity Engine Combat, uh, I've come to see it as a bit of a beautiful mess. It's reasonably fun and functional, sure, but the marriage of real-time and turn-based mechanics ultimately makes for a really awkward and clunky system. I wish Baldur's Gate 2's modern successors would move away from this, see Pillars of Eternity, and just go full turn-based. I'd love to see a BG2-style RPG with combat as refined and as fun as we see in XCOM 2. Hmm. I, I think that the, the tricky thing about that is um, that, that combat, like an XCOM 2 battle, just takes, it's an evening. You yeah. know, it, it's like, it's a big chunk. Mm-hmm. And the kind of stories that like Baldur's Gate and Pillars of Eternity want to tell like can't have, you know, 20 fights in them total, really. It cannot be paced like a session of tabletop where the tavern brawl takes up your entire night. Yeah, it would just be it would become tedious and you can play that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's similar to um, I wonder if the person who's doing this has played Temple of Elemental Evil Mm -hmm. or weirdly enough, uh, the forgotten PSP game Dungeons and Dragons Tactics. Oh, shit. Uh, which are um, Temple of Elemental Evil. I have a lot of affection for. It's not mm-hmm. good. 
but I have a lot of affection for it. Dungeons and Dragons Tactics is a terrible game hmm. um, and is because of that pacing. Like it is um, like Final Fantasy Tactics uh, combat essentially yeah. applied to um, D&D stuff, but the, it is so slow. Yeah. Like it just takes too long to do anything and it kind of kills the pace, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that one of the reasons why I like the Infinity Engine combat is because the part that the strategy, you know, as we, we mentioned this in the episode, comes before the fight. The fight itself is over so quick. Yeah. It's like it's breezier than than any game's combat has been, you know, called breezy. Yes. Like it makes breezy, you know, it's, you know, it makes Earthbound combat look like X-Men comes too. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it just it's very fast. Yeah. And I think that is just serves the structure, even something like Pillars of Eternity, like they want you to fight a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I forget what I was going to say. Sorry. I will. I will. I will see the floor. <laughs> like a, a good a good D and D tactics game would be cool. Yes, you know it just wouldn't be a Baldur's Gate style game. No, no. like you know it would be um, like Final Fantasy Tactics does. Mm-hmm. You know it would be tell a different kind of story. You wouldn't have your time in between like the time in between battles would be cutscenes. Mm-hmm. You know and stuff like that. It wouldn't be where you walk around and you do a lot of different kind of quest things. It would be yeah. a combat focused thing with a D and D skin, and I'd be into that. But it wouldn't be a spiritual successor of Baldur's Gate. Right. You know, uh, now I remember what I was going to say, uh, kind of a real time correction or self correction. Um, I, I think in the past, in the last episode, I said the temple of elemental evil was 3.0. No, it was 3.5. It was like super mm. notable for being the first 3.3.5, uh, adaptation. So it's more or less a one-to-one as well. Yeah. Like it's got a great combat system. It's also just a one-to-one adaptation of a first edition dungeon. module, <laughs> Right. Which is so problems. like that's, yeah, that has problems and is not very interesting. Like fans have patched that to make it interesting. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm due for a replay of that game at some point. Yep. Just for for set myself. I've only played it once. Um, but it that is something I will go in with mods yep. for. So I wonder if Lewis has played that. That kind of shows you what that could look like. Yeah. Um, but I, I respectfully disagree. I, I don't think that that's a good direction for these to move in. Yeah. So um, Edward says via contact, uh, I can't overstate how important Baldur's Gate 2 was to me as a young adult. I first played this game during my freshman year of college and had been out for a while. And one of my roommates who had taught me to play D and D showed me the Baldur's Gate series on his computer. And during that summer break, it became my D and D fix when I was away from my group. I scoured the local electronics stores for a copy of Throne a ball, eventually going to the next country over to get a copy to county to the only over, copy I county could find. over. County. Whoa. Oh, that's like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, then the next county over to get the only copy I could find. Um, I bought and rebought, and even obtained this series through completely legal methods, yeah. trademarked, um, more times than I can count. This game drove my desire to run my own D&D games just to find something close to this feeling when my college group broke up, which led to my interest in other tabletop RPGs, as well as my obsession with computer RPGs and Bioware that still hasn't gone away. As soon as the music started up on the first episode, I knew I had to load up Baldur's Gate 1 again and say goodbye to January. You could say hello to January and your new friend. (laughs) Yeah, your new friend, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, (laughs) Tales of the Sword Coast, uh, Throne of Ball. The, um, yeah. The, um, yeah, it is, it is the, this is one of those games, and this is famously said about Deus Ex, but like whenever anyone says it, you know, 20 people install it. Yes. Every time someone types it into a, a thing. And uh, I definitely have that experience. Yeah. And it makes me really like our tabletop group doesn't play D and D anymore, but this makes me want to play D and like just classic fucking D and D pretty badly. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't it never go when we do that with tabletop, it doesn't go over that well. Usually mm-hmm. like, and we do, we usually play like weird settings and stuff because we're, you know, we've done a lot of the, the tavern, you know, you meet in a tavern shit already. Yeah, and we're yeah. kind of over that, but mm-hmm. like this just makes, it does make me horny for that. Yep. 
extremely horny for it. Yeah. I bought the so. first Driz book on my Kindle and I'm just like thumbing extremely through that. tempting to me as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I've never read those, but it's just like, can I be the guy who reads this in 2018, 2019? He's just like, they're super. Hello, January. <laughs> and like, like yeah. they're, they're super breezy. They're like, they're like 300, 300 words a piece and they're written for middle schoolers. Like, <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, I, I could probably handle it. Yeah. Um, you, don't do the crystal shard trilogy. Do the do the drow one, which is which okay. is all about Menza Berenson and him like living in the Underdark. And then the third book is him come to the surface. That's cool. Yeah, um, and I, I want to play that game again. Menza Berenson, no, the, the the Dritz game, the one where he's the or no, it's not the Dritz game, the, uh, no. the Forgotten Realms sword game. Yeah, yeah, D- D- Demon Stone. Dr- Dritz makes an Demon appearance Stone. to help you fight some fight some trolls. But yeah, yeah, you play, you, you play as a party but, and like you you good. Or it's just like it was written by Ari Salvatore. Yes. That yeah. game. That's what that's what's why I keep thinking it's a Dritz game. Yeah. But Ari Salvatore has his fingers in many pies. Yes, he does. He's a Star Warsman. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you if you can over describe a sword fight, boy is Ra there. <laughs> yeah, just, anytime someone needs to over describe a sword fight, you'll be there. <laughs> um and finally here, Chris writes. I played Baldur's Gate 2 at the recommendation of a friend in 2003 when I was 16. Prior to this, my only real experience in gaming was on consoles, and PC gaming was very new to me. Sure, I had played the Dooms and Diablos of the 90s and even casually dabbled in Fallout, but Baldur's Gate 2 was the first real PC game that I cut my teeth on. It was different, with combat and rules uh, indifferent to my lack of D&D knowledge and skill. Suffice to say, I struggled a lot. At some point after the initial opening hours, I gave in and used a trusty character editor that allowed me to resurrect party members if I clicked on their portrait and allowed me to transform into the Slayer at will. Yes, before you say it, because I know you're thinking it, apparently I didn't know what quicksave was. Of course, all adventures must come to an end, just not the way that I would have wanted. There I was, facing Irenicus in hell. I had overcome his trials uh, and my own as the player. I finally got uh, gotten how to play and was playing legit now. No editors or mods. I had tried a few times to defeat him in his ball spawn form, and after a long break, I picked it back up for another try when my PC's hard drive failed, taking the game and its save data with it. Right there. Right at the final boss. I was able to replace the hard drive soon enough, but I was frustrated by the prospect of having to start from scratch so soon. Just a few months later, I left for the military, and it all quickly became a bittersweet memory. Fifteen years later, I've never found the heart to go back and finish the journey that I started. Sure, I've tried a few times, but never seemed to find the drive to make it past the tutorial dungeon. I know it's not true, but it feels like tarnishing the memories I still have for the original experience. I may have never finished Baldur's Gate 2, but it introduced me to the CRPG genre and, in turn, Planescape Torment, another one of my favorite games of all time, as well as this scrappy little developer known as BioWare that went on to make another favorite, Mass Effect 2. Yeah, that, that is a bummer, but, uh, you know, good good came from it. Yes. So. Yeah. Good stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for writing in. Um, the future... Uh, you know, we, we're not going to be putting responses in the last episode of the month, mm-hmm. um, but we do have some plans, as we mentioned, we alluded to. Yeah. So stay tuned for next episode or before next episode mm-hmm. or just watch your feeds. Yeah. Watch your watch feeds. Those, watch your feeds. 2019. Like we're, we're, big stuff. We're shooting at your feed. Dance. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you have anything to say about our January games, mm-hmm. um, you still have time. 
that is going to be a River City Ransom, Owl Boy, or Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Uh, Titus and the Context Free Adventures. Context <laughs> Free Adventures of the Xanarkin Eyesores. Um, um, yeah. yeah. So go to duckfeed.tv slash contact, send those in. If you have responses about multiple games, please separate them. I know that's annoying, but it makes it easier for us on our side to include your responses uh, to the appropriate games. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you may be wondering what we're going to be playing in February. That is going to be related to some of these announcements that we just warned you about um, in a really threatening, violent way, actually. Yeah, warn is <laughs> a loaded word. Yeah, um, the, the, uh, yeah that we uh, we just let you guys know. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking about that soon, though, so watch your feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, If you like this show, if you like this network, the best way to help us out, the best way to show that is to support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. If you go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, um, you can kick us a few dollars a month. And get a variety of rewards. Yes. Um, and help out your boys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's like the, 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 this is our primary means of support. This is our job. Yep. And it, it yeah, it's, it's, uh, it helps us out quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are formed. Yeah. And you can also tell people about the show. Please do. Online. Yeah. So we really appreciate that. Um. Yeah, and I think I think that's about it. I think that's everything for now. Yeah, so it's been it's been a, it's been a long, fun journey mm-hmm. with uh, with Baldur's Gate too. Um, we uh, we're looking forward to 2019, and yeah. we wish everybody a happy holiday. Yes. We wish everybody a happy New Year. Um, you know, I hope everybody. Oh, thanks everybody who donated to Duckstream. This is the first time we're recording after Duckstream. Oh shit! Um, yeah, we blew our we blew our goals away. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did a great job with that, and you guys did a great job. Is what yes, we really should say. Um, with that, um, it was a really good year. Mm-hmm. Um, for us and it was tons of fun yeah and uh, we really appreciate it yeah so yeah i think that's, i think that's probably about good think so uh so uh until next time what should they watch out for they should watch out for us in this thing we're going to be putting on their feeds soon yes watch mm-hmm. out for your feeds yes 